I'm not going to quit on YouTube because I know it works in like 100%. I just need to adapt and I need to change. And the only way I fail is by quitting. Having failures along the way isn't me failing. It's just part of the process. There's real estate deals I've done where I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. In one, I've lost seven figures. So I need to look at that, take the lesson and keep going. You adapt, you learn, you figure it out and then you keep going. Success doesn't come without failure. Justin Colby, what up, dude? What's going on, man? Not too much, man. How's it going? You ha- like, how long have you been in Vegas, man? I heard you were with Sean Bob last night. Yeah, got in yesterday. Uh, classic hurricane coming towards Miami. So if I didn't fly out yesterday, probably wasn't making it here for this podcast. So wow. couldn't miss my guy Ryan's podcast. There we go, baby. Uh, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you again. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, man, a lot of people, like, who, who are you? Yeah. Why, why are you sitting in that couch? Um, my name is Justin Colby. Yep. Uh, so real estate investor. So I'll give you the full background. Went to UCLA, graduated. I firmly believe degrees aren't that important because uh, I've never used it. I've been an entrepreneur since I got my degree. I would have never known you graduated from UCLA. That's crazy. What'd you get degree in? English. Oh, You'll I was say, down the street. You a I, teacher? Was, I was at Cal State Northridge. So nice. we were like 30 minutes away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, dated a girl from Northridge. So there totally you get it. Uh, I got a degree in English, and here's why you would ask, Justin, why the hell did you get a degree in English? It's because at the time, I read an article, it was either Forbes or Inc., that said 50% of the Fortune 500, now remind you, this is back in like late 1990s, mm-hmm. there's a little age drop for you, mm-hmm. uh, were uh, 50% were English majors or had a degree in English. Weird. And I said, that's odd, but UCLA doesn't have a business degree, not on the undergrad. Okay. So when I applied to UCLA, there's like, there's no business screen. I'm like, well, what else is there? Communications, which is what everyone drives into. But at the time it was very impacted. So I just said, well, I don't want to wait because then you're going to be on a waiting list. And I read this article. I'm like, I'm going to go for English. The irony of that, all through high school, I read one book, <laughs> one book. Uh, I then, once I got into UCLA, I was reading three full books a week. Mm. English degree is not as easy as what people would think it is. It is a brutal, especially for someone that did not like reading at the time. Right. But made it through and went straight into sales and owning my own little door-to-door sales business. And from there, um, it took me living in Boston. And I'm a California boy originally, born and raised in San Francisco. So I did not understand those weathers of the winter. Yeah. What were you selling door-to-door? Credit card processing. Verizon, home, like internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really big when um, fiber optics yep. just came out, right? Again, dating myself. Uh, and so UPS was a business service we would sell. Uh, Verizon, American First, um, or Eagle, whatever. Some credit card processing. So mm-hmm. it's brutal. But dude, I promise it is the best thing you can do to gain a skill set that is imperative, especially in our business of real estate, right? Is that scale, the the salesmanship you absolutely need in our space. Yeah. Yeah. Sales skills, especially in real estate. I mean, all business require sales skills, but um, no yeah, to see how important it is in real estate is extremely important. Yeah. So it took me there and then uh, I caught pneumonia in 2004 or five because we we're going door to door in a Boston winter. Yep. Not exactly ideal. And then uh, we, I called it quits, shut down my business, called my family and said, hey, I'm really ill. I have full-blown pneumonia and I need to come home and uh, rest up. And that part got me into real estate as a realtor back in 2005. I opened up a brokerage that is still around today um, in Northern California. Mm. Um, did great there selling new homes. So back in the boom, six and seven, yeah. everything's working great. I was taking orders, market crashed. I had no skill set, uh, didn't know anything about anything because I literally would look at 15 offers and take the highest one, say, great. Uh, and I became broke, busted, and disgusted, living on my buddy's couch, uh, foreclosed on my first home that I bought, repo man took my car, and that's when I got into real estate investing, when I would, had no money and I was broken spiritually, financially, and all of it. So during the boom, mm-hmm. how did you go broke? Was it just... I mean, it sounds like you were selling homes. So you were making commissions and did you just spend it all? Did you just put it all into real estate and it went up? Like what happened? So I didn't go broke during the boom. It was right as the market crashed. Right. So it was more people couldn't actually get the loans that they wanted to close on the transactions. My commission stopped. 
right. bought an expensive home, very expensive car, because commissions, I was, you know, 40 grand consistently. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's not 40 grand, and I'm living a lifestyle of 40 grand. Classic 25-year-old nonsense, right? So, uh, lesson learned there is don't live above your means. You know, you're living at a 20, you're living at, you know, a lifestyle that a 25 year old shouldn't be spending that kind of money. They should be smarter, but I had no financial education. I don't come from entrepreneur family. Um, so what did I know? I was living a good life. And right. so I took it in the chin on that one, but it was a great thing. Right. Cause then I got to realize what it really is like and didn't want to call mom and dad at that point. Cause I already did that once when, uh, I caught pneumonia. Mm-hmm. So this time I said, I'm figuring this out. And that's what got me into real estate. But back in 2007, 2008, there's no Ryan Pineda. There's no Justin Colby. There's no gurus out there to teach me. There's one or two really old school guys, but there was no YouTube channels. Facebook, I don't even think it existed at that point. Right. So different space, different time. And all I knew to do was call realtors. And that's how I got my first deal. How did you know to call realtors? Like what even gave you that idea? Because I had to think, where the hell am I going to find investment property? Like, where do you go to get one? So, I mean, you had no money. Mm-hmm. What made you think you could even buy real estate? <laughs> so I did know enough about transactional funding. Okay. So back then, that was a really big thing where they would give you 100% of your purchase price as long as there was a buyer on the back end. Mm-hmm. So I knew that. And I was like, dude, if I can do that, I can do this a lot. And so I lived in San Francisco at the time. I knew Phoenix crashed. We just talked about the ups yeah. and downs of Phoenix as a market. Uh, long term, it'll always be up, of course. Yeah. Um, but it crashes hard when it crashes. Uh, and so I virtually was doing this from a Starbucks in San Francisco calling realtors in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Because the price point now, you can buy a 1,500 square foot home for like 80 grand. Like it was mm-hmm. insane, the crash that happened in Phoenix. Yeah. So realtors loved my pitch, kind of like, hey, I'm an investor. I'm looking for kind of quick flip, something that I can buy and then sell off and blah, blah, blah. They loved it. They were not making any commissions because everyone was crashing, right? So they were like scrambling as much as anyone else. And uh, it took me nine months to get that first deal. And how much did you make that first deal? Seven grand. So was it a wholesale, essentially? No, it was, it was a double. It was a quick turn. So transactional funding. I had an end buyer lined up. Yeah, so it was essentially a wholesale. Yeah, yeah. where I didn't come out of pocket. I didn't yeah, have to yeah. like remodel it. It wasn't a rehab. Okay. So you do this and I mean, you go nine months trying to get your first deal. You finally do it. This is in 2000, what, eight, you said? 2009? 2007. 2007. End of 2007. So what happened from there? Second deal comes right away because momentum happens, right? You get confidence. You know that you can do it. You can trust yourself now. This is real. Second deal happens right away. Made another seven grand. So I made 14 grand total. I was still essentially in poverty. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but that's actually where, uh, uh, I did find a mentor at that time, but I still had no money. So I called a friend, borrowed $25,000 to pay for this mentor. Mm-hmm. So I took a huge leap of faith on myself. My friend took a bigger leap of faith cause he's giving me the 25 grand. Like, yeah. bro, you make this work out. Right. And I'm like, I got it. Right. Learned exactly what I needed to learn in the sense of just like putting some systems together, what marketing really is, had no idea what, you know, list pulling all the kind of basics that we all know now. Um, And from there was six deals, 20 deals, 46 deals and on and on and on and just kept going. I didn't really learn about true wholesaling until 2015. Mm. So I used transactional funding and or would flip. And then I learned quickly how to raise private money because mm-hmm. I was getting enough traction doing these kind of quick flips. Um, then I did a lot of buying rehabs, buying down at the auction down at Phoenix. I obviously moved to Phoenix once this became successful enough. Why, what made you pick Phoenix? Price point at the time. Remember, 2008 just was, yeah, it was dismal. Cheap. So it was like barrier nice entry was nothing. Yeah, Beautiful spot. So I, A, my, my partner at the time lived there. Okay. So I had a place to stay. Um, price point, it was super cheap. Like I said, $1,500 or 1500 square foot home, 80 grand, 100 yeah. grand. Right nowadays, that's similar f- to Vegas. Same thing, right? Yep. Um, Ve- Vegas actually excites me if we start talking about what's to come. I think this market is a just an amazing market, but we can get there. Yeah. Um, so that's why I chose it. I was like, dude, the price point, barrier of entry, even raising private money. Like if I need 20% down, I need 20 grand, not 100 grand on a $500,000 home, right? Mm-hmm. So made sense, uh, started going pretty hard in the paint, built some really good relationships and 
uh, as they kind of say, the rest is history. My, my model has changed drastically. I live in Miami now. I do almost everything virtually. Um, and you and I were just briefly talking about the pros and cons to this. So whether it's wholesaling virtually, um, I'm not doing much, if any, rehab flipping right now for obvious reasons. The market is shifting heavily. Mm-hmm. But I am doing a lot of burrs for my own rental portfolio. Um, and that's the model. So speaking of the market, man, I mean, that's super dope. I mean, you've been doing this uh, almost 20 years now. Long time. What? Uh, Thanks for aging me. <laughs> what do you think about the market? Uh, you know, listen, I, I've seen a lot. Um, I think a lot of people have just seen an appreciating market, right? So if someone has gotten into the business anytime after 2008 or 2010, I would say they've just experienced appreciation. Um, so it can create, um, I don't want to say laziness, but they don't have to hone their skills because the market keeps appreciating, keeps appreciating, keeps appreciating. Here's the first time that we've seen, and it happened in 2019, 2020, and we saw that hiccup a little bit with COVID, but it wasn't long lasting. If anything, it just like, it slowed down for a little bit and then rocket shipped even more. So, um, I think this is just a time to be patient and pivot a little bit, right? I mean, you got to navigate to what the waters are, are giving you. And so this right now is, listen, even, even uh, this week, my lender went to 7.8 on a rental, like 7.8. So this is no longer a good rental, right? Essentially, I'm going to make like $100 a month. And it's because of interest. So you just got to be patient because there is going to be some level of blood in the water. I'm not a doomsdayer. I don't think this is going to be catastrophic. I think there's going to be a correction. I think it needed to happen anyways. I think markets like Phoenix and Vegas the appreciation was so great. It was it historically has never been seen. Yeah. We don't have anything to point back at. Oh, back in 1940, we had this level of appreciation. We don't have that. So this is a little bit of correction and it'll probably last for, I'm going 12 to 24 months. Um, but there's going to be a lot of great opportunity. Like at my point, people need to be all in on real estate right now. Everybody. Because what I can tell you, myself and others, if you knew what you know today, would you not have been all in on real estate in 2008? Don't know how old you were, but <laughs> if you were of age in 2008, would you not have been everything into real estate? Because that's everyone's answer. They wish they had money. They wish they were in real estate. Mm-hmm. Think about where they would be. If I had actual money in 2008, who knows where I'd be, right? right. I mean, picking up properties at 80 grand that you could rent <laughs> for, you know. So you get it. And I think this is the time that everybody, any follower of Ryan Pineda, any follower of Justin Colby, go all in on real estate because this is that shift that you want. Right. And I think it's a 12 12 month, 18 month, 24 month, but the shift is real and it's going to happen. And um, I'm I'm excited, right? This is kind of what I've been waiting for for quite a while. Um, So it's an exciting time. Yeah, I think, um, you know, during times like this too, I mean, you saw it a little bit during COVID. The beauty is, you have less competition, right? Yeah, we did out. You know, the the strong survive mm-hmm. and those who kind of had choppy businesses before kind of get exposed. And yeah. um, you know, I made a YouTube video recently talking about how, you know, 10 ways you could dominate the recession. We'll link to it down below. I think everyone should watch it. But one of the things I said was that, you know, with this, there's going to be such a great opportunity to have less competition in whatever your business is, right? But also, too, you're going to have a great opportunity to go get talent for your business because, you know, as we know, labor, the, the unemployment had been like the lowest ever. And you get a lot of people who aren't looking for work and contractors and all these things. But now uh, I'm seeing a lot of people kind of starting to say, man, I don't know. Business I'm working for is not looking like too totally. good or that they're going to pivot and everyone's starting to look at different opportunities. You couldn't be more right. Um, I actually, if we want to go on kind of a different subject, but similar, I think the government's lying to us about the employment. Mm. I think it is way worse than that they're letting on. Okay. They're incentivized to tell us that the unemployment is still very good, mm-hmm. right? That it's good rates. But if you look at any CNBC or whoever you look to for business news, there's massive layoffs going on in very big industries right now. Yeah. Right? Like 20%, 30% of workforces are getting laid off. Yep. It's huge. And somewhere it doesn't get reported back to the government for them to give us because they're incentivized to be able to continue to raise rates. Right. So if unemployment becomes high, then they can't raise rates because it's fundamentally, you know, opposed. So 
That's what I think. I think the government is essentially not being fully forthright in where we're at with the unemployment. And I think there's a lot of companies look at, you know, Meta or Facebook, whatever we want to call them. They have this huge layoff. They're cutting a billion dollars worth of checks to get out of their leases. Why would someone do that? If this wasn't, they weren't looking around the corner saying, hey, this is the time to cut costs because yeah. it's about to get real, right? You don't just cut a, a billion dollars worth of checks right, to get out of leases if you don't see something coming around that corner. So I think there's this, it, you're dead on. I think great time to find really good people. Um, they're discouraged. They're frustrated, right? And it's a good time for small shops, and I consider us small, we are not billion-dollar companies, mm -hmm. to find really high-level talent right. to keep pushing. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, uh, I don't want to say I'm excited for it because I'm not. You know, at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, so it's cool when everybody's happy, but yeah. this is going to be an interesting time where many people are not happy at all. Yeah. And, um, there's gonna and that be people, sucks. Yeah, we, I know. don't want, right? None of us want that. Yeah. And then there are going to be those who are really separating from the pack because things become much easier to show who's who mm -hmm. when you don't have the wind at your back and, you know, things get tough. Like true competitors and entrepreneurs are going to be revealed at this time. What, there's a saying, I'll butcher it. Maybe you know it, but like when the tides go out, you'll see you swimming naked. Yeah, it's Warren Buffett. Yeah, like... That's happening in our space, dude. You'll see, and I'm sure you're seeing it. You, you, I think you own at least the perceptions. You like own the Vegas market. Mm -hmm. Like no one can touch what you got in Vegas, mm -hmm. which is great. But you're even going to be able to have more of that because a lot of the newer people got in the business a year ago and the market has been incredible for them. And they went out and made 150 grand or 200 grand and their and age has nothing to do with it, but let's just say a 22-year-old and all of a sudden they came into like real money, like 200 grand to 22-year-old. Heck yeah. But the market, it was the one <laughs> at their back, right? Yeah. Like it, it, this is, those individuals don't have the skill set. Same thing that happened to me as a realtor. And I'll never be a realtor again, by the way. I know yep. you have a brokerage, but not my jam. Um, I had no skill set. The reason why I went belly up financially, I did not harness, I did not, uh, create the skill set that I could have lasted into the crash as a realtor. Mm. Good for me because ultimately I'm way happier as an investor. Right. But when you're taking, when you're an order taker and you quite literally are just looking through offers and choosing the higher one, there's no skill set in that. No. No negotiating, no selling myself to the homeowner, nothing. So right. these, this round, you're going to have a lot of people who do leave the space because they didn't create a skill set. They didn't go to Ryan's training or Justin or or any of the people that could actually educate them on how to do it. They just had the win at their back and they watched enough of your YouTubes or my YouTubes or someone's YouTubes that they were able to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for sure. So today's podcast is brought to you by Future Flipper. So Future Flipper is a real estate education company that I founded back in 2018. And since then, we have helped thousands of students all across the country learn how to invest in real estate. And it doesn't matter whether you're trying to learn how to flip houses, whether you're looking to wholesale or build your rental portfolio, we've helped everyone in all the different circumstances. This even includes people who have never done a real estate deal. We've helped beginners get their very first deal. We helped other people who have already done some deals scale to doing multiple deals a month. And we've even helped people get to my level, people to scale their business to doing over a hundred deals a year, learning to become an owner of the company and not be involved in the day-to-day -day and learn how to delegate and hire employees at the highest level. So regardless of what boat you are in, we can help you out at Future Flipper. We've got amazing events. We've got amazing coaches. I coach directly in Future Flipper and I would love to help you get to the next level. So all that being said, if you are interested in getting a free consultation call, a free strategy call to see what it's going to take to help you get to the next level, go to futureflipper.com and you can book a call with my team. Once again, check out futureflipper.com to book a call. I know that many of my listeners on this podcast are high income earners in fields outside of real estate. And they always ask me, Ryan, how should I invest my money? Should I go start flipping houses? Should I buy an Airbnb? Should I buy rentals? What do you think? And I always say, look, 
a better use of your time is continuing to build your business and your career because you're already really good at it. Trying to go figure out how to do real estate deals on your own and managing construction and all that stuff is probably not the best use of your time, but you can still invest in real estate by joining Pineda Capital. We will do everything for you. We will find the deals, we will manage them, we will get them renovated, we'll get them rented out and everything else. All you've gotta do is invest and you're gonna get a return on your money. So if you wanna figure out what is the next deal that you can invest in, you can go to PinedaCapital.com. Currently, we're only open to accredited investors only, so if you want to get in on our next deal and you want to get on the VIP list, definitely go to PinedaCapital.com and apply today. So, you know, speaking of YouTube and stuff, it's funny because um, I don't remember where we were at, but this was like, what, two and a half years ago? When we were I told, in Phoenix, bro. Yeah, we were in Phoenix, but I don't even remember why we were uh, we, we were, were doing. Um, we were having dinner and I'm blanking right now. Um, oh, I was. We, we were at Doug's house. Doug's house. There you go. Yeah, we were at Doug's house. And you and I, I remember this conversation because hey, I'll let you tell it. This conversation is so good. So you and I both were like, dude, I want to get serious about social media. I want to get serious about YouTube. YouTube's the future. We were just like basically same subscribers, right? You have catapulted to like the stratosphere, and I can't figure it out. <laughs> I can't well, even get close to figuring it out. Well, I think when we first, uh, before that, I had already been trying or, you know, I had already been committed for a couple of months and I was telling you, I was like, hey, this is like what I'm doing. This is why it's important. And you were like, all right, dude, like I'm going to do it. And, you know, I think, like I said, two and a half years ago, it's it's kind of revealed that, yeah, it is super important and it's going to continue to become more and more important. What do you think like your journey has been? Because when I look at you, I look at like another um, entrepreneur who understands its importance. And I see a lot of people who are trying to get into social media now. What would you say to those entrepreneurs that like, you know, that you've learned the last two and a half years? Yeah. Specific to social media, YouTube type thing, or just in general? In general with social media. Yeah. It's a must. And it'll always be a must. You just highlighted that. Like this is the wave of the future. That was one thing two and a half years ago. You and I were like, dude, that it will be and will always be. Everyone will be online. It was highlighted even more during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe you can talk to that. Like I feel like your massive growth on TikTok because you got really. I mean, everyone was at home. You're like, I'm going all in. Like mm-hmm. all in, all in, all in. And you did it. And so I'd call you and you'd be like, Hey, dude, I like what you got, but you might want to pivot this, right? And I'd ask for advice. But the reality is like, it doesn't matter. As an entrepreneur, it is borderline foolish not to be all in on content mm-hmm. in general. TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all the platforms to be all in on it because there's a Gary V model and Gary just put something out I thought was really interesting, which was he's always been about like, just keep going, keep putting it out and something will hit mm-hmm. and be consistent. His whole thing has been consistency he just put something out saying i'm not changing my tune on that but create different stuff right like the talking face isn't working the way it used to you need to now create some of the you know more charismatic changing how you're putting out that content Mm -hmm. because that will help to virality right going viral and having a million things yep you just really hit it right you did the right things the right time um, I mean, I give you a lot of credit to that because I, I, to this day, am like trying to figure out YouTube, right? It's just, and I'd put out content. I put up five pieces of content every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to stop. I might have to adapt. The same thing we're talking about the real estate. Yeah. I might have to adapt, change my style, change how I deliver content. Great. Yeah. And, and the reason I wanted to highlight it was because this is what I see is that, um, you know, I had a lot of success quick, which was great, but I did go into it. And I told you this two and a half years ago before I had success. I had a few thousand subscribers, I think, when we were first talking. I go, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep at this for the foreseeable future for years. And I don't know how long it's going to take to hit or figure it out, but I know it's going to be worth it. And I'm mm-hmm. going to just keep doing it and keep doing it. And, you know, it hit quicker than I thought. Um, and it's been fantastic. But what I respect about you and you know, other, and there's actually not many entrepreneurs like you is that you have stayed with it and you've had some degree of success in certain areas 
you know, like you said, with YouTube, you've been struggling to figure that one out, even though you're constantly putting out content things. And what I can say is I respect that because most entrepreneurs, they'll do it for a month and mm-hmm. they don't get results totally. and they quit. Absolutely. They, they do it for a few months. They don't get results. They quit. Um, so to stick with it uh, is super important. And like my belief is that, you know, if you're willing to put in the work and do what's necessary, then it really just becomes two things. It's either strategy or refining skill. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and this is with anything, not just social media, totally. right? If you want to have success, you got to have the right strategies and you got to just continue to get better at it. And, um, you know, I think that that's all it is for anyone trying to grow. It's just like, okay, if, if YouTube is not working right now, then change. You have to change whatever you're doing. Don't just continue to do the same that's thing. Right. You know, with TikTok, like you said too, if this has worked for me anyways, let's just say talking heads, just straight up looking at the camera right now has worked this way, you know, for the past few years. That's great. Does it mean it'll work tomorrow? No. Like, just like the way I bought houses six months ago. Totally. Doesn't work the way it does today. So it's like, man, this is why education and everything else is so vital. Because if you are just thinking the way that you've learned something from a year ago or five years ago is all you need, and that's all that's you know going to be necessary for your success, then you're going to have a tough time adapting. I think, and I think you just put out your social media. Uh, yeah, content empire. And great timing, right? Because what you just hit on is what I'm trying to echo even in in the content I'm putting out is if you had education a year ago in the real estate space, that's not necessarily the same. It doesn't have the same application potentially today as it did a year ago. Mm -hmm. So making sure whether it's masterminds, coaching, that you're up to date with the things that are changing, adapting, so you can be in alignment with that. Because to what we're just talking about, you have to pivot if you're not seeing the results or something there, whether a strategy, whatever it is, or the process that you're doing it, um, you have to make pivots and it's universal amongst entrepreneurs. doesn't matter what real estate, social media, whatever. If what you're currently doing over time isn't working, you have to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that, that for you, and this was the point I was bringing out too, is that you adjust, you don't quit. Right. Right. Because a lot of people say, well, this thing doesn't work. You know, it's not working for me. Therefore, it doesn't work. Totally. You know, I'm out. And, you know, I guess there is certain times for ideas or maybe businesses where it's like, this isn't working. It's like, okay, let's try a different business or a different product or whatever. But when it comes to things like, let's just say things that we know are always going to be around and are always going to work. Real estate is always going to be around. That's right. You know, so learning to find deals and get good at sales, no matter what the market's doing, is going to be a very key skill you should always figure out if you want to be in real estate, right? Social media. Hey, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, which majority of you listening are, it's like, this is only going to keep getting bigger. And so if you're not good at it now, it's probably going to be even more important that you become good at it in the future. So you might as well start now, right? So I think it's just like, you have to continue to start honing in your skills, even if they don't make you money right now. I think I I posted something that I think you'll fully agree. Success doesn't come without failure. Mm -hmm. Impossible. Everyone sees the level of success you've had, right? They've followed you for a long time. You have a huge, but there's failures along that path too, that that's why you're here. Oh yeah. Right. And to your point, I'm not going to quit on YouTube because a, I know it works in like hundred percent. There's no doubt. I just need to adapt and I need to change. And the only way I fail is by quitting. Yeah. But having failures along the way isn't me failing. It's just challenges, right? It's part of the process. There's real estate deals I've done where I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. In in one, I've lost seven figures. Okay, so I need to look at that, take the lesson and keep going, not just quit because it didn't work or I got punched in the face. I don't know any losses you've had, but I'm sure there are some. Mm Mm-hmm you adapt, you learn, you figure it out, and then you keep going. There's no reason for people to think if they make a mistake, they lose some money on a deal, their YouTube's not working to the where they want it to be. Whatever the whatever the thing is, right. that's why you got to be committed to, to what you're doing. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, the biggest thing I've learned is from my losses. You know, I think um, I've told this story before, but in 2019, you know, 2018 was the the last time there was like extremely hot growth. And then they it was also the last time they raised rates. So mm-hmm. 2018 was extremely hot growth. All of a sudden they try to taper it. So they start raising rates and market slows down tremendously. Um, my first, you know, time going through something like that ended up getting super aggressive throughout 2018 because I'm seeing the prices rise and, you know, all this stuff. And sure enough, in 2019, I'm I'm sitting on a bunch of bad deals. And, you know, I had to sell all these deals. And, you know, at the end of the day, the on the bad deals, we lost half a million dollars total. Now, my investors all got paid their interest and everything else. I lost half a million dollars. And that was one of the most costly lessons that I've learned in my career. And it set me up for the future of, mm-hmm. you know, hey, here's how I could have done it better. Here's how I could protect myself. Here's what we could do. Now, as we are looking at this situation here four years later, um, you know, a, a similar scenario is playing out where the market was extremely hot. Um, you know, they raised rates even way faster than in 2018, like way worse. Oh, and yeah. um you know, at the same time, though, we were coming from a spot where there was way less inventory. Like, they're very different circumstances right now. Um, you get a lot of sellers who have super low interest rate loans, so they don't even want to sell. So, like, there, there's a lot of factors trying to navigate through this. But moral of the story, I'm probably I probably have like 40 flips right now um, going on. Who knows, like, how all of them will pe- plan out and pencil out when it's all said and done, but there will most certainly be some losers. There will most certainly be some winners and we will see how it shakes out. Yeah. And you know, if you were to ask me, Ryan, do you think that you made a mistake on the losers? I would say, no, I mean, I've played it exactly how I wanted to play it. And and this is the reality. The last two and a half years I've been flipping, I've been buying everything and I've been making a killing. And by buying all those things as flips and then, you know, making an extra 20, 30, 40 grand on all these deals over the years. You know, I can't get mad when all of a sudden it switches and now I'm breaking even or I'm potentially losing money or, you know, I still make money because we got a really good deal. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Um, It's just that's that's part of the game of doing business. Now, also to realize, you know, I'm in a different situation where, you know, I've got streams of income from all these different things. And so like for me, if the house living business stalls out for, you know, however many months until we sell off all these properties and kind of have our reset and, you know, all that, um, I'll be fine. I got all this other stuff happening. So it's very different than in 2018 when that happened. I was like... One stream. Yeah, it was like house living was the only stream. Okay, how am I going to get out of this? Well, man, there's a lot... Like, I'm going to have to just get more deals. I'm going to have to wholesale. You know, we're going to have to find some way to cover this cash flow crunch that we weren't expecting. And so, you know, we went about it that way. Whereas yeah. now today, it's like, okay, you know what? Home run offer has a bad month. And, you know, we lose hundreds of thousands on whatever. All these these deals are, who knows? I don't know what the total will end up being. We will see. Right. Um, It shouldn't really be an issue. Yeah. The number one question I get asked by entrepreneurs is, Ryan, how do I create a personal brand like you have? How do I start monetizing social media? And I've been asked it so many times that I said, you know what? It's time to start a business and teach everyone exactly how I've done it. If you want to learn how I've been able to grow my social media following to 1.7 million followers in just two years, and you want to learn how we've gotten over 500 million views and turn those views into over a million dollars a month in revenue, then Content Empire is for you. You see, there's a lot of people who are teaching how to you know, go viral on one platform or how to run paid ads or funnels, but nobody has figured out how to organically merge the two. Most people think it's pay to play. But if you want to learn how to get organic content, build a fan base, build people who want to buy your products who don't need to be sold, then I want you to go to contentempire.io, apply for a free strategy session with my team. We will teach you how to build your business on social media and monetize. So once again, go to contentempire.io and we'll chat with you. I'm a part of a lot of different masterminds and one thing I have noticed across all of them is that they're very male dominated. And recently, Heather Blankenship, my now partner, um, attended one of my events and she said, Ryan, we need to change this. We need to start a mastermind for women because they 
are looking for something like this. They just don't feel like they belong. And I said, great, let's do it. So we started something called Wealthy Woman, which is a mastermind dedicated to women in entrepreneurship. We've got members all across the country supporting each other, networking, growing together, going on retreats, you name it they're doing it. It is an amazing thing. And it's not only just for women in entrepreneurship, but also spouses like my wife who are of uh, entrepreneurs or who are partners in the business. So if you're a woman in entrepreneurship or you think your wife might benefit from some community with other women in the industry, then Wealthy Woman is for them. Go to wealthywoman.io to apply for a call with our team and see if it's a good fit. Once again, that's wealthywoman.io. So you said a lot there that I think is so applicable to this. A, like multiple streams of income. I think depending upon the audience and who people are, I'm going to encourage someone to just get to become an entrepreneur in general right now, right? If you are employed, find a way to do that. It could be part-time. I know Ryan was big on flipping couches as a way to break in. It doesn't matter what it is, just do that. But then start to look at how do I make sure that I do have multiple streams of income to be able to generate that. For your example, if Home Run Offer loses a couple hundred thousand dollars, you will be okay because you have, whether it's coaching or whether it's your e-commerce or whether it's all these other revenue streams that you're bringing in, Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to make it work. So I'd encourage people to get there. I think this is a really big thing for entrepreneurs across all spaces. Don't just be a one-trick pony. Find a way to have multiple streams. I was just on Brad Lee's podcast and he has multiple nine-figure streams of income. It's not just one. It's not singular. There's not one thing he does. You're the same way. I'm the same way. You just got to get there. You got to break into the industry. Um, and then the the point of losses, man, I would guess you are heavier on wholesaling than you are on flipping right now. And I would guess it's because of the experience you had in 2018. You knew what that felt like. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go heavier on less uh, risk and just keep moving and making income. And when the time's right, you'll go back into heavy into flipping. Well, you know what's interesting is... Um for the last two and a half years, we flipped probably 90% of the deals we got because I was just like, dude, why not? Market's going so hot. It's appreciating. Let's take advantage 100%. of that. Um, and then I don't know what month it was, but it was definitely before they even rose or started raising interest rates. It yeah. was probably around like April or May. And I told the team, I go, hey, we're going to start predominantly wholesaling. So at the time, I had like 60 or 70 flips yeah. going on. And so I go, so we're going to, you know, we'll still buy flips like when it makes sense. But, you know, overall, we are transitioning to a wholesale heavy model. And there was really two reasons for this. Um, actually, I'll give you three. There was three reasons for this. One, and and the the most likely reasons, the one, like the least of them. The first reason was that scalability. You know, I started to look at the house living business and I said, well, you know, uh, we've been doing around a hundred deals a year for the past, what going on five years now. It's a lot, dude. 2021. Yeah. So going on five years now, we've, we've kind of settled into that. Now we've made more money, not because we've been doing more deals, but just because the market's been appreciating so much, like our deal size just keeps getting bigger. And also too, yeah, like the average house we buy is way more expensive today than it was five years ago. Therefore, profit needs to be bigger. Plus, the appreciation on those homes has been larger, so our profit margin was bigger. But, um, you know, as I looked at it and I said, well, you know, if I really wanted to scale this, which I haven't tried to, I've just been content where it is while I build out my other businesses. Um, if we really wanted to go do 200 deals or 300 deals, what would we do? And I just realized I wouldn't flip. I would do wholesaling. I would just focus on sales and marketing. And I would just crush out deals. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's easier to do with that because you don't have to get contractors. You don't have to raise money, all that stuff. And so I already made the switch. And I said, I want our house living business to be, well, not our house living, but our real estate investing business. I want to do 10 to 20 million next year. What would we have to do? It's like, well, if we wholesale, you know, 300 plus deals at, you know, $30,000. That's, you know, 9 million bucks right there. So, you know, how do we kind of start penciling out to get over 10 million essentially? Um, and at the time our wholesales were twenty five, thirty thousand $30,000. So like today, not so much, but anyways, 
And in my mind, I'm like, okay, we can get there wholesaling. That's cool. That's number one. It's easier to scale. Number two, um, it's less risk for wholesaling. And so, you know, I started thinking about, man, at this point in my career, do I need to take this much risk flipping houses? You know, what's the biggest risk I have right now? And it's like, well, it's flipping houses. If I have all these other businesses that don't carry that type of risk, why continue to put myself in this potentially dangerous situation when I have all these other good things happening? It's not like um, when house flipping was literally my bread and butter. And so it was all about maximizing every deal. Um, 2018, 2019, 2020, um, 2021, that started to shift, you know, but for pretty much my whole career, house flipping has always been the main source of income. And so um, it's all about maximizing that. How can I, okay, well, I could wholesale this, make 20, but I could flip it and make 50. Let's flip it. Let's maximize. Well, today, it's not. And so why put myself in that kind of risk? And so I said, okay, if I can scale it more, that's a good reason. Two, if I can have less risk, that's a good reason. And then three was this market, right? And this market, I I kind of got lucky in that I was already sw- shifting and offloading a lot of my flips. And, you know, as the market started to develop and change, I realized like, yep, we're definitely going to be wholesaling more now with how this is happening. And so um, it kind of like was this perfect storm where I was already pivoting that way. But like I said, I still got 40 flips because even throughout just saying, hey, we want to predominantly wholesale, there are still flips I take down where I'm like, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. Let's roll. Well, the reason why I love Vegas and, and, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily see eye to eye with my virtual business and you're very specific to Vegas and you probably have some virtual stuff. You have some rentals and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but why I love Vegas is because it's a very real city. So what I know to be true, you know, this as well, there will not be forever, but for the near future, there will be an inventory shortage. There's no arguing it. Builders stopped building in 2008 because they got crushed. They now are slowing down and stopping again. Some builders are going to build to rent. There's just going to be an inventory shortage. Vegas, just like Phoenix, builders love its sprawling land. They can keep building outwards. But even in the in the case of cities like Vegas and Phoenix, there's going to be a shortage. So a good deal is still going to be a good deal. There are going to be people that need a place to live and that don't mind having a 7% interest rate. Yeah. By the way, I know a lot of people are flipping out about these interest rates. My first home I bought, I was 6% interest rate, right? Right. My grandfather tells me stories about when there were 18, 19, (laughs) 20% back in the 80s. Yeah. That was a real interest rate. Like, I'm going to go buy a home at 18% interest from a bank, not a hard money lender. Yeah. So, like, it's perspective on something. Like, my grandpa's like, ah, everyone's freaking out, right? Like, he's like the the older generation of like, guys, you don't know what it was like in the early 80s when it was 18% interest. Right. But when markets like this, dude, and I don't know what you're doing with your 40, 40 deals, and I don't know the price point, but like if everything came to a screeching halt, I would almost guarantee you could keep them in a portfolio. Maybe they aren't killer rentals for you, but you're never going to lose on those things, mm-hmm. right? Like you're just in a good market. Vegas is becoming more grown up. Major sports teams, hockey, football, I think baseball and basketball are coming soon. Yep, It is a sprawling market. So when developers do get back in, they will continue to build in these areas. The open doors of the world, the hedge funds like it here. Um, but there's just a shortage of inventory. So good deals are still good deals. I would advise anyone to either take them down or flip them depending upon what their model is. But keep going, right? This isn't a time, just adapt. Adapt to the to the market, adapt to what's happening. But there's going to be a shortage. that The economy has less homes than people need. So buying rentals is still a good thing having a good deal that is remodeled correctly, you're going to be making money, right? Yeah. Just don't stop, I think, is where I'm going here. Yeah, and I think the, you know, let's let's say that. So you you keep going and you you adjust, you pivot, and you do different things. You know, th- let's think about the alternative of stopping, okay? What happens? Well, Go work at Safeway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for one, if you're a solopreneur, okay, what are you going to do to make money? Right. Like, uh, that's Uber. one thing, you know. But two, if you have a company, and you choose to stop, you, you're basically going to lose everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, all your employees are going to leave. They're going to go get other jobs, you know, for you to ramp back up at some point. Brutal. 
it's brutal. You know, when you cut your lead flow, you have to go rehire everyone. You've got to do all this stuff from it's you're better like just kind of writing it out and breaking even. You need runway right now for the people like I have a decent marketing budget. You have a decent like we just need runway. We need to keep going, even if it is a break even at the worst case scenario. You need runway to keep going because what will happen is we will start to have market domination, right? Meaning all the people who got into the business a year or two years ago or three years ago, they likely don't have the same marketing budget. They're likely going to be pulling out of the market. They won't be on PPC. They won't be doing TV ads. They won't be doing cold calling. We will take over the opportunity to have the opportunities. And if we can maximize those opportunities, whether it's wholesaling, flipping, keeping them as a rental, you're going to win. You just need more runway right now. We mm -hmm. just need to keep pushing and making sure there's no steel wall in our face that is going to stop us, right? We need to buy time. If we can buy time, things are going to settle. They will come down more. But, dude, it'll be a great time to get back to flipping 90% of your properties, dude. It, it will be. It just, I think that day will come anywhere between 12 to 24 months. Mm. And until then, keep wholesaling. I, and So how do you buy time? Um, Making sure you're adapting. I would, you know, we just talked about Facebook cutting billion dollars worth of checks. Cut overhead. Make sure that your profitability can stay strong even if you're doing less. So we were just talking about my model. My model went from multiple millions a year to roughly a million-ish a year. I'm okay with that. I don't need to go around touting I'm the biggest and make them a, like, I don't, I'm just over that. I want to, ex I want to keep going. I want to have longevity. And if that means during markets like this, so I was more prudent than most over the last two years. When COVID hit, I shut down flipping. I stopped rehabbing. I thought it was going to be a little bit more painful than COVID turned out to be in terms of the economy and in real estate. But I just said, Hey dude, this is, I've eaten enough shit sandwiches in my career that like, I just feel like there's this. So even as a coach and a mentor, I would encourage my students, hey, you know, tr make sure a flip 3X is minimum what you could make on a wholesale. And if it can do that, flip it. Mm -hmm. But if it can't, be more cautious, take your win, take your check and, and move on. So I've been more cautious in that space. But that's how you buy time is you buy it by making sure you can continue to run the business, as you just said, make sure you can keep everyone paid, make sure you can keep running and make sure your cost is low enough that you don't need to make like the the word need is the key point mm -hmm. i don't need to make 2.8 million dollars this year i can make a million one make sure my op, my cost is down and essentially have a, the same profitability i don't get to tout all these millions of dollars but i'm still in the game where everyone else didn't listen to me or adhere to lowering operational costs they kept running with a high ticket price every month it hit them in the face and now they got to figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. I think just playing more conservative. I'm, I take as many risks as any entrepreneur, right? We all, we're all insane. We take more risk than most humans on this planet. Mm -hmm. But I've just, I've been around long enough to know, like, I would rather play it more safe right now and give myself more runway. And then in the next 12, 24 months, just clean up house. Yeah. No, which I think, uh, I've, I've told our students that, and this was maybe it, month this was about two months ago i said hey guys just so you know the next six months are going to be the hardest six months to get through you know like we're going to experience these higher rates people there's going to be way less demand you know it's gonna be harder to sell your properties and i you know just these next six months in order for you to just maintain you're going to have to work three times as hard mm -hmm. than before that's the reality of the situation yep and if you can make it past these six months, aka get time and have runway, I think many aren't. And so you're going to have a big opportunity uh, as you come out of the six months because right. there's going to be, you know, less competition. There's going to be more sellers who, you know, have now experienced pain and they're ready to sell and everything else. And so, yeah, I think we're, we still got uh, a ways to go. But my, you know, my prediction is that. And, and Vegas is a seasonal market anyway. Winters are always slow. But as we come out of the winter, I think things start to heat up and, um, you know, become much better. But, you know, you got to get through the winter. Yeah, just like anything, I think you're, you're dead on. You can't quit, right? I think quitting is the only failure there is. You quit and say, ah, oh, it's my market. It's the interest rates. There's a reason for all of that. That's why I'm saying you need to find a way to, like, I had a great conversation. You said this to your students. I said the same thing to my wife. 
said, honey, this is a season that I need to be more involved in my companies than I normally am. And that is going to take away from our time and the time with our baby and that kind of stuff, which is not what I want. But this is a season that I need to do that to make sure the health of my businesses stay strong and stays profitable and continues to run. And we do get runway. So when the things come back to normal, if we want to say that, we can get back to that. But right now I need to, I need to be more involved than I normally am. Mm-hmm. And it's just a conversation to have. Again, work twice as hard, work longer hours. I don't want to just put everything on, you know, work harder than the next guy and all that rah-rah stuff. But, you know, do the things that, you know, can get you the runway that you need. And if that means firing some of your people and you doing it yourself so you can make the money, so you can have the runway, then that's what that means for me, for you potentially. Maybe I'm more involved in my real estate business and in my coaching business than I normally would be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so be it, Yeah, right? Yeah, and I've and look, a lot of people who um, watch my podcast and listen, they hear me talk about working um, 30 hours a week and 10 to five, and that is my thing. And I've been doing that for many, many years now. But what I've said during that time is there are seasons where you do have to turn it on. And this is probably one of those seasons where, you know, and and here's the deal, right? And this is what I want to make very clear about the wealthy way is the season cannot turn into a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's where it becomes the problem is that, okay, you know what? Yeah, we're we're in this recession. I got to work very hard. I got to get up earlier. I got to stay later. And, um, you know, for the next few months as we get through this, it is what it is. This is what I have to do for us to succeed. And, you know, you do it. And then, you know, you now have a choice, right? You're out of it. But it's like you developed this habit, right? And so now it's like, do you keep doing that? Do you, you know, scale back to knowing what you need to do with spending time with your family and everything else? Like, that's where for me, it becomes um, like the awareness part of things. Because most entrepreneurs don't know how to turn it off. I was just going to say that. And, and that's the right thing to be to, to be screaming from the mountaintop. Because most entrepreneurs, they go in all in, right? This is why I think most entrepreneurs, we all have this little something wrong, right? We're putting it on our shoulders. We're betting on us, which is the better way to live life, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. we get to create our lives. We're the nine to five person. They're essentially dictated by what their job allows them to do in terms of the day and hours and income. Um, so this is the only choice I have for my happiness in this life. But, um, I'd also say it is just perspective. I've gotten out, you know, I'm 41 years old now. I've gotten out of the need to be the biggest, the baddest, to make the most money, to have the, all that kind of thing. I've gotten much more into the need of build a really good financial lifestyle so that I can live the life that I want to be living. Right. And so as a moment in time, that means I have to do this when markets shift and things get back to, again, normal, this is the new normal. So I don't even want to say that, but then I'll kind of get back to the lifestyle that I want to be living and having a little more time off and free for my family. Mm -hmm. But it has to be said because the people get, listen, you and I are part of masterminds. We run our own masterminds. There's people in here that don't know how to switch it off. Their marriages fall apart. They're not being good parents to their children because they see them, you know, maybe when they're going down to bed, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. You got to find a way to be able to to break that because the relationships are all any any nothing means anything except for those relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would echo that a hundred percent. Yeah, and that's you know that's the point of creating the wealthy way. And um, for those of you who don't know, by the way, um, the wealthy way book is coming out December thirteenth. Uh, you can go pre order it on Amazon. I'm super excited about it. things going to change. Congratulations, a lot of lives. dude! Thank that's you. rad. I thank love you. That. Thank you. We're uh, going to. So, you know, everything with the wealthy way is always free. You know, I released a course earlier. We we built software for a planner. Um, the book, you can obviously buy a paperback. Uh, I don't even know what it's gonna be, but whatever's the cheapest we can sell it for. Right. But you can get the Kindle for a dollar. And I mean, this ain't like one of those free ebook type deals. Like this is like real book. Book. Yeah. I just want to give it away. Um, but also too, we are doing a special for those who leave a review, I created another course that's free called Business Builder Academy that I'll be releasing or basically giving it away to people who support and, you know, get the book and leave a review. So yeah, we'll, we'll link to it down below for everyone, but I'm excited about that. Dude, that's phenomenal. I mean, I think there just needs to be more, um, 
more individuals like you in the space that have a place that they can give without asking for a monetary return, right? Mm-hmm. And there's just not enough of that, right? Um, I do my part in the sense of like the science of flipping insider. It is quite literally an entire wholesaling video training that I give away for free because I want to do the same thing you're doing with Wealthy Way. Like mm-hmm. people just need to be able to attain it. Not everyone has the means for coaching masterminds or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I think there just needs to be more graciousness like that. And I'm I'm super happy that you're doing stuff like that because especially the the meaning behind what you're putting out with the Wealthy Way is really what life's about, not mm-hmm. about business and money and all the other things, right? Yep, yep. But business and money are great too, though. It does make <laughs> things a lot easier, I will tell you that. I've been yeah. very, very broke. We just discussed that. And I've made a lot of money and been very rich. And I'll tell you, rich is better because it affords you a better lifestyle. You can overcome certain challenges that if you don't have money, those challenges become catastrophic. Where being able to be financial resources, those challenges aren't very big. What would you say to somebody who is broke right now, trying to figure out what they should be doing in this recession? Maybe they're, you know, obviously, uh, maybe they're going to be getting laid off or something like that, trying to figure something out. What do you think? I think you need to look inside first, look in the mirror, look inside about like, what would actually make you happy? And I don't need to be all West Coast, woo woo, and what's your why? I'm just saying like, you now have a time to reset and to choose what you want to do. This is your moment. There's no more, I was, you couldn't get me broker, right? Like American Express had 40 grand on its credit card when I walked away from it. The repo man took my $100,000 Lexus. My $500,000 condo got foreclosed. Like there's no financially broker. So I had to look at what did I actually want to do that was going to be enjoyable and could create income. For me, it was real estate. That was it. Like there really wasn't even a second option. I love real estate. I will for always be in real estate. I was just with your guy, Sean Bob. We were just talking about it. Like there's no retiring. Mm -hmm. I've told that to my wife. I'm like, it may change shape, right? I may not be doing it the way I do it today. Right. But when I'm 85 years old, I'm doing real estate, (laughs) right? It's happening. So I would tell that person to look in the mirror, find what really they get passionate about. What's fun. What do they like? What do they see driving the income that they want to be driving? How do they see that becoming the lifestyle that they want? And go to that path. And for some, it's not what Ryan wants. It's not what Justin wants. I do want to make a lot of money because I know what a lot of money can do for me, my family, and others. Mm -hmm. So that is what I really want. Um, For some, that may not drive them. They want to do something else. So do that, right? I tell students all the time, don't quit your job if you like your job. And you like real estate, so do real estate on the side and Mm -hmm. keep your job. You don't need to quit. You don't need to build what Justin built. Go do what you want to do. And that's what I tell the person. Look internally, find out what is a driving force for you, what you genuinely enjoy, and who cares about the economics. But I would choose something that makes you better money than where you're currently at. Yeah. And go. But here's the thing. I say it this way. CIA is incredible. Not the government agency, but commitment, intention, and action. So once you find it, commit to it have intention with where you're trying to go and get out of the financial ruin you're in or whatever the scenario is and take massive unwavering action. We just talked about how you were giving me kudos about how I haven't you know, gotten the growth that you got on YouTube, but I'm unwavering in my action I take. I don't fucking quit. I just keep going and I will figure it out and I will adapt and I will change and it, it will pay off. Mm-hmm. That is the same thing I would tell anyone that if they're in a bad place financially, if they're about to be, maybe they're getting laid off commit, have intention and take action and don't let your action ever waver. But that's why you got to figure out like what's worth it for you. What would you be able to enjoy every single day? The same way I enjoy real estate, never quitting. Right. So no, I'm with you, man. I think for somebody who's, um, now looking at a new career or, (laughs) you know, you're just trying to figure out what to do next. I think real estate is a great career for anybody. You know, I, I always say this about real estate. It's one of those things that's both a business and an investment. You know, there's lots of businesses you can get into to to go make money, right? You can go flip couches, you could do real estate, social media influencer, like there's a lot of things. Um, But real estate is the one that is also the long-term wealth, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I get good at finding deals and flipping houses and wholesaling, that is my business, my active income. It's great. But it also gives me the ability to now go park my money. That's right. Because what I see from a lot of 
my rich friends who are not in real estate is they have no idea what to do with the money they make. They're they're maybe either in, you know, sports or anything. They're just like, dude, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this money because yeah. they don't have the skill set. But if you get good at real estate, you have the skill set to also know what to do with your money. So I like it for that reason, um, for people who are trying to figure out a new path. But I also will say this, you know, a lot of people during the pandemic lost their jobs and it was the first time they were on their own trying to figure out like, man, maybe I should try this entrepreneur thing. And it worked out pretty well for many of them. Yep. They, they didn't realize they were an entrepreneur. They had worked corporate. They had done many things throughout their life. And then they realized, you know what? I, I actually can do this for myself. And I think people are going to get that opportunity now instead of kind of maybe having the golden handcuffs they've kind of had on themselves this whole time. I know you do, and I'm going to encourage all of them. Whoever's listening out there in this scenario, go be an entrepreneur. I would encourage everyone to be an entrepreneur. Just understand it's going to take a lot more work than you possibly think. Yeah. It is not as easy as like, again, we can tend to make it easy. Right. Like you, you essentially made it look easy to become very successful at social media. Yeah, I'm living easy. proof. <laughs> it is not freaking easy. Like yeah. I've had some success with Instagram and some Facebook and that's fine. The YouTube one I have not found to be as easy as Instagram and, and Facebook and some of the older stuff. Um, TikTok, I've started to get some success and then the algorithm changed and what I was doing all of a sudden literally overnight did not work anymore, mm -hmm. right? Like I got 36,000 followers in like two weeks and literally overnight it went to like eight people watching my TikTok. And I'm like, <laughs> how did that just happen? algorithm change, right? So then are you going to focus on it and you have to make a decision? My point being is it's just not as easy as what a lot of us can make it seem. So you need to have commitment. You need to have intention of what you're trying to do. That is a easier way to than intention to me is that what's your why? What are you trying to do? What's your intention behind the the direction you're going? Yeah. And then make sure your actions are just, I don't know, people you give know, up too easy. Well, right? you know, here's the deal too. And I, this is a a good thing for people to realize with with sports. When you go watch an athlete, you go watch LeBron or any of these guys, you watch Tom Brady, they make it look so easy and so effortlessly. And, you know, I remember thinking as a kid, I'm like, oh, well, I can do that. It's like, they look so easy. And then as you grow up and you try to do it, you're like, this is not easy at all. You know, Tom's got these guys trying to kill him. He can't see over the line. He's about to get crushed by some dude who's 300 pounds. Like it's, it's not easy at all, but he makes it look easy. Yeah. Right. And, um, business and social media things are very much like that where they're like, wow, that happened so quick. That was fast. But it's like, if you knew the amount of repetitions it took to get there, the amount of trial and error, the amount of studying, the amount of meetings and consulting and and everything else that it took to create the final product the game day that you see today you'd be like wow that was hard but you know totally. it, at the end of the day though that that's what being successful takes being successful is not easy it can look easy and right. it gets easier you know the game's easier for lebron now having 20 years of experience and having seen everything totally <laughs> than it was his rookie year well, even use the Tom Brady, like he wasn't a starter. He got drafted 198, I think is yep. the number, or 199, something like. But he could have easily been like, oh, great, I'm just going to be a backup forever. Yeah. And, right? But he prepared and kept preparing and kept doing the things that were needed. So when his day did get called, because uh, Drew Bledsoe, I think it was, got yeah. knocked out, yep. he literally came in with all that preparation, knowing one day his number is going to be called. LeBron, Steph Curry, some of these, like the uh, Kobe Bryant, like... They just prepare and they take so much action preparing mm -hmm. that when their numbers get called in the in the analogy we're going with, they're on and they're great at it and they make it look easy because in the background, they're taking 3,000 extra shots after practice. Yep. In the background, they're the first one there at 5 a.m. going through physical therapy so they could hit the weight room, so they could do all these things, so they could be stronger for the season. That's the stuff that just people don't see. And that's why... You know, it's interesting. People talk about, I just want it now, right? The microwave society is very real right now. Everyone wants things now, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they don't want to go on the journey. And they don't want to put in the work that it takes to actually get there. Mm -hmm. They just want the result. They want to be there. 
And I don't care who you're talking about, whether it's a sports analogy, whether it's a musician, whether it's, you know, I'm in Miami now, right? Um, there's an incredible restaurateur, Dave Grutman, comes out with the hottest restaurants on the freaking planet, right? And, you know, it's not like Dave Grutman was Dave Grutman when he came out with his first restaurant. And along the way, he's had major failures. But the point to all of this, it doesn't matter the vertical, the industry, the sports, it takes consistency in over and over and over again repetition that will breed the success. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, what I find most people get discouraged at, the number one reason I see people quit or get discouraged is their own expectations of the result. Their own expectations of when they're going to get there. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm going to go make, give the number, a million dollars this year. And they make 500 grand. And they get all discouraged and blah, blah, blah. That person may not quit, but they put the improper expectation. Right. Right. And then they put a deadline on the expectation. I find that most people get the most discouraged and will end up usually quitting because of things of that nature. I think you need to have the destination and just put your head down and work towards it. Mm. And it may take you a year or two or three, but you'll get there because you're unwavering in the actions you're taking to get there. Mm. Wise words, dude. Well, let's uh, make sure we do that. I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me, that brother. Was, that was great. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, go check out Justin on uh, all his socials. Go do him a favor and subscribe to his YouTube channel. I would love it. Thank <laughs> you, all of you, wherever you guys are at. Go subscribe to Throw his YouTube Throw me a subscribe. Channel. He's going to be switching it up and changing his content. That's right. And, uh, if you're not subscribed to this one, make sure you do that too. And uh, we appreciate you for watching. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wealthy Way podcast. If you got value, there are two things I want you to do. The first is go to WealthyWay.com and get access to all of our free stuff. You can download our courses for free. You can use the Wealthy Way Planner for free. You can subscribe to our newsletter. All of it's free. It is such amazing value. I want you to go take advantage of that. The second thing is if you could go to Apple and leave a five-star review, or if you're watching this on YouTube and subscribe, that would be amazing. It would mean a lot to me. In fact, if you leave a review, I might just shout you out on the next episode because we are reading those. So definitely check it out. And thanks for watching.